Chapter Sixteen of the Life Everlasting by Marie Corelli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lisa Statler. Shadow and Sound. The stillness deepened. It seemed to myself that I could hear the quickened beating of every pulse in my body. A curious, vague terror began to possess me. I fought against its insidious influence, and bending my head down over the paper I had set out before me, I prepared to write. After a few minutes, I managed to gain some control over my nerves, and started to put down clearly and in sequence the things Aselzion had told me, though I knew there was little danger of my ever forgetting them. And then a sudden sensation came over me, which forced me to realize that something or someone was in the room, looking steadfastly at me. With an effort I raised my head, and saw nothing at first. Then, by degrees, I became aware that a shadow, dark and impenetrable, stood between me and the open window. At first it seemed simply a formless mass of black vapor, but very gradually it assumed the outline of a shape, which did not seem human. I laid down my pen, and with my heart thumping hammer-strokes of fear, looked at this strange darkness gathered as it were in one place, and blocking out the silver gleam of the moon. As I looked, all the light in my room was suddenly extinguished. A cry rose involuntarily to my lips, and physical fright began to gain the mastery over me. For with the increasing gloom, the mysterious shadow grew more and more defined, a blackness standing out, as it were, against another blackness, the pale glint of the moonbeams only illumining it faintly as a cloud may be edged with a suggestion of light. It was not motionless. It stirred now and then as though about to lift itself to some supernatural stature and bend above me or swoop down upon me like an embodied storm and as I still gazed upon it fearingly, every nerve strained to an almost unsupportable tension. I could have sworn that two eyes, large and luminous, were fixed with a searching, pitiless intensity on mine. It is impossible to describe what I felt. A sense of sick, swooning horror overcame me. My head swam giddily, and I could not now utter a sound. Trembling violently, I rose to my feet in a kind of mechanical impulse, determined to turn away from the dreadful contemplation of this formless phantom, when suddenly, as if by a lightning flash of conviction, the thought came to me that it was not by coward avoidance that I could expect to overcome either my own fears or the nameless danger which apparently threatened me. I closed my eyes and retreated, as it were, within myself, to find that center poise of my own spirit, which I knew must remain an invincible force despite all attack, being in itself immortal. And I mentally barricaded my soul with thoughts of armed resistance. Then, opening my eyes again, I saw that the shadow loomed blacker and vaster, while the luminance around it was more defined, and was not the radiance of the moon, but some other light that was ghostly and terrifying. But I had now regained a little courage, and slight as it was, I held to it, as my last hope, and gradually steadied myself upon it like a drowning creature clinging to a plank for rescue. Presently I found myself able to ask questions of my inner consciousness. What, after all, 
could this phantom if phantom it were do to work me harm could it kill me with sheer terror surely in that case the terror would be my own fault for why should i be afraid the thing called death being no more than a living change did it matter so much when or how the change was effected who is responsible i said to myself for the sense of fear who is it that so mistrusts the divine order of the universe as to doubt the ultimate intention of goodness in things which appear evil is it not i alone who am the instigator of my own dread and can this dark dumb spectre do more to me than is ordained for my blessing in the end with these thoughts i grew bold my nervous trembling ceased i now chose deliberately to consider and willed to determine that this mysterious shadow darker still as it grew was something of a friend in disguise i lifted my head half defiantly half hopefully in the gloom and the strange fact that the only light i saw came from the weirdly gleaming edge of radiance round the phantom itself did not frighten me from the attitude i had resolved upon the more i settled myself into that attitude the firmer it became and the stronger grew my courage i gently moved aside the table on which i had been writing and stood up once on my feet i felt still bolder and surer of myself and though the shadow opposite to me looked darker and more threatening than before i began to move steadily towards it i made an effort to speak to it and at last found my voice whatever you are i said aloud you cannot exist at all without god's will god ordains nothing that is not for good therefore you cannot be here with any evil purpose if i am afraid of you my fear is my own weakness i will not look at you as a thing that could or would do me harm and therefore i am coming to you to find out your meaning you shall prove to me what you are made of to the very depth and heart of your darkness you shall unveil to me all that you hide behind your terrifying aspect because i know that whatever your intention towards me may be you cannot hurt my soul as i spoke i drew nearer and nearer and the luminous edge round the phantom grew lighter and lighter till suddenly a flash of brilliant colour like a rainbow glittered full on my eyes so sharply that i fell back half blinded by its splendour then as i looked i dropped to my knees in speechless awe for the shadow had changed to a dazzling shape of winged radiance a figure and face so glorious that i could only gaze and gaze with all my soul entranced in wonder i heard delicious music around me but i could not listen all my soul was in my eyes the vision grew in stature and in splendour and i stretched out my hands to it in prayerful appeal conscious that i was in the shining presence of some inhabitant of higher and more heavenly spheres than ours the beautiful head crowned with a diadem of flowers like white stars bent towards me the luminous eyes smiled into mine and a voice sweeter than all sweet singing spoke to me in accents of thrilling tenderness thou hast done well it said even so always approach darkness without fear then shalt thou find the light meet sorrow with a trusting heart so shalt thou discover an angel in disguise god thinks no evil of thee desires no wrong towards thee has no punishment in store for thee give thyself into his hand and be at peace slowly 
like the colours of the sunset melting away into the grey of twilight the vision faded and when i recovered from the dazzled bewilderment into which i had been thrown i found myself again in complete solitude and darkness darkness unrelieved save by the dim light of the setting moon i was for a long time unable to think of anything but the strange experience through which i had just passed and i wondered what would have happened if instead of boldly advancing and confronting the dark phantom which had so terrified me i had striven to escape from it i believed and i think i was right in my belief that i should have found every door open and every facility offered for a cowardly retreat had i chosen to make it and then everything would have been at an end i should have probably had to leave the house of aselzion and perhaps i too should have been marked with a black cross as a failure inwardly i rejoiced that so far i had not given way and presently yielding to a drowsiness that began to steal over me i undressed and went to bed perfectly tranquil in mind and happy i must have slept several hours when i was awakened suddenly by the sound of voices conversing quite close to me in fact they seemed to be on the other side of the wall against which my bed was placed they were men's voices and one or two were curiously harsh and irritable in tone there was plenty of light in my room for the night had passed and as far as i could tell it seemed to be early morning the voices went on and i found myself compelled to listen aselzion is the cleverest humbug of his time said one he is never so happy as when he can play the little god and dupe his worshippers a laugh followed this sentence he's a marvel in his way said another he must be a kind of descendant of some ancient egyptian conjurer who had the trick of playing with fire there is nothing in the line of so-called miracle he cannot do and of course those who are ignorant of his methods and who are credulous themselves like the woman here interposed the first voice yes like the woman here little fool and there was more laughter fancying herself in love with Raphael Santoris. I sat up in bed, straining my ears now for every word. My cheeks were burning, my heart beating. I hardly knew what to think. There was silence for two or three minutes, minutes that seemed like ages in my longing to hear more. Santoris always managed to amuse himself, said a thin, sharp voice with a mocking ring in its tone. There was always some woman or other in love with him, some woman he could take in easily of course not difficult to find rejoined the first voice that had spoken most women are blind where their affections are concerned or their vanity another silence i rose from my bed shivering with a sense of sudden cold and threw on my dressing-gown going to the window i looked out on the fair expanse of the calm sea silver-gray in the early dawn how still and peaceful it looked what a contrast to the storm of doubt and terror that was beginning to rage within my own heart hush the voices began again well it's all over now and his theory of perpetuating life at pleasure has come to an untimely end where did the yacht go down off armadale in sky for a moment i could not realize what had been said and tried to repeat both the question and answer where did the yacht go down off armadale in sky what did it mean the yacht gone down what yacht they were talking of santoris of raphael my beloved my lover lost through ages of time and space and found again only to be once more separated from me through my own fault 
my own fault that was the horror of it a horror i could not contemplate without an almost maddening anguish i ran to the wall through which i had heard the voices talking and pressed my ear against it murmuring to myself oh no it is not possible not possible god would not be so cruel for many minutes i heard nothing and i was rapidly losing patience and self-control when at last i heard the conversation resumed he should never have risked his life in such a vessel said one of the voices in a somewhat gentler tone it was a wonderfully clever contrivance but the danger of all that electricity was obvious in a storm it would have no chance that has been thoroughly proved answered another voice just half a gale of wind with a dash of thunder and lightning and down it went with every soul on board santoris might have saved himself he was a fine swimmer was he another silence i thought my head would have burst with its aching agony of suspense my eyes were burning like hot coals with a weight of unshed tears i felt that i could have battered down the wall between me and those torturing voices in my feverish desire to know the worst the worst at all costs if raphael were dead but no he could not die he could not actually perish but he could be parted from me as he had been parted before and i i should be alone again alone as i had been all my life and in my foolish pride i had voluntarily severed myself from him was this my punishment more talking began and i listened like a criminal listening to a cruel sentence aselzion will tell her of course rather a difficult business as he will have to admit that his teachings are not infallible and on the whole there was something very taking about santoris i'm sorry he's gone but he would only have fooled the woman had he lived oh that naturally but that hardly matters she would only have had herself to blame for falling into the trap i drew myself away from the wall trembling and sick with dread mechanically i dressed myself and stared out at the gold of the sun which was now pouring its radiance full on the sea the beauty of the scene moved me not at all nothing mattered all that my consciousness could take in was that according to what i had heard raphael was dead drowned in the sea over which his fairy vessel the dream had sailed so lightly and that all he had said of our knowledge of each other in former lives and of the love which had drawn us together was mere fooling i leaned out of the window and my eyes rested on the little crimson rose that still blossomed against the wall in fragrant confidence and then i spoke aloud hardly conscious of my own words it is wicked i said wicked of god to allow us to imagine beautiful things that have no existence it is cruel to ordain us to love if love must end in disappointment and treachery it would be better to teach us at once that life is intended to be hard and plain and without tenderness or truth than to lead our souls into a fool's paradise then all at once i remembered the dark phantom of the night and its transformation into the vision of an angel i had struggled against the terror of its first spectral appearance and had conquered my fears why was i now shaken from my self-control what was the cause voices merely voices behind a wall that spoke of death and falsehood voices belonging to persons i did not know and could not see like the voices of the world which delight in uttering scandals and cruelties and which never praise so much as they condemn voices merely ah but they spoke of the death of him whom i loved must i not listen they spoke of his treachery and fooling 
should I not hear? And yet, who were those persons, if persons they were, who talked of him with such easy callousness? I had met no one in the house of Aselzion, save Aselzion himself, and his servant or secretary, Honorius. Who then could there be, except those two, to know the reasons that had brought me hither? I began to question myself, and to doubt the accuracy of the terrible news I had inadvertently overheard. If any evil had chanced to Raphael Santoris, would Aselzion have told me he was safe and well when he had conjured up for my comfort the picture of the dream yacht on the moonlit sea only a few hours ago? Yet, with my bravest effort, I could not recover myself sufficiently to be quite at peace. And in my restless condition of mind, I looked towards the turret door opening to the stairway which led to the little garden below and the seashore, but it was fast shut, and I remembered Aselzion had locked it. But to my complete surprise, another door stood open, a door that had seemed part of the wall, and a small room was disclosed beyond it, a kind of little shrine, hung with pale purple silk, and looking as though it were intended to hold something infinitely precious. I entered it hesitatingly, not sure whether I was doing right or wrong, and yet impelled by something more than curiosity. As I stepped across the threshold, I heard the voices behind the wall again. They sounded louder and more threatening, and I paused, half afraid, yet longing to know all that might yet be said, though such knowledge might mean nothing but misery and despair to me. All women are fools, and this trite observation was made by someone speaking in harsh and bitter accents. It is not love that really moves them so much as the self-satisfaction of being loved, no woman could be faithful for long to a dead man. She would lack the expected response to her superabundant sentimentality, and she would tire of waiting to meet him in paradise, if she believed in such a possibility, which in nine cases out of ten she would not. With Aselzion there are no dead men, said another of the unseen speakers. They have merely passed into another living state, and according to his theories, lovers cannot be separated, even by what is called death for long poor comfort and with the words i heard a laugh of scornful mockery the women who have loved raphael santoris would hardly thank you for it i shuddered a little as with cold the women who had loved raphael santoris this phrase seemed to darken the very recollection of the handsome face and form of the man i had almost unconsciously to myself begun to idealize something coarse and common suggested itself in association with him and my heart sank within me, deprived of hope. Voices merely, yet how they tortured me! If I could only know the truth, I thought, if Aselzion would only come and tell me the worst at once. In a kind of stupor of unnameable grief, I stood in the little purple-hung shrine, so suddenly opened to me, and began to dreamily consider the unkindness and harshness of those voices. Ah, so like the voices of the world! Voices that sneer and mock and condemn, voices that would rather utter a falsehood than any word that should help and comfort, voices that take a cruel pleasure in saying just the one thing that will wound and crush an aspiring spirit, voices that cannot tune themselves to speak of love without grudging bitterness and scorn, voices, ah, God, if only all the harsh and calumniating voices of humanity were stilled, what a heaven this earth would be! And yet, why should we listen to them? 
what have they really to do with us is the soul to be moved from its centre by casual opinion what is it to me that this person or that person approves or disapproves my actions why should i be disturbed by rumours or frightened by ill report absorbed in these thoughts i hardly realised the almost religious peace of my surroundings and it was only when the voices ceased for a few minutes that i saw what was contained in this small room i had half unwittingly entered an exquisite little table apparently made of crystal which shone like a diamond and on the table an open book a chair was placed in position for the evident purpose of reading and as i approached at first indifferently and then with awakening interest i saw that the open book showed an inscription on its fly-leaf to a faithful student from Aselzion. was i a faithful student i asked myself the question doubtingly there was no faithfulness in fears and depressions here was i shaken in part from self-control from the mere hearing of voices behind a wall i who had said that god ordains nothing that is not for good was suddenly ready to believe that he had ordained the death of the lover to whom his laws had guided me i to whom had been vouchsafed the beatific vision of an angel an angel who had said god thinks no evil of thee desires no wrong towards thee has no punishment in store for thee give thyself into his hand and be at peace was already flinching and turning away from the faith that should keep me strong a sense of shame stole over me and almost timidly i approached the table on which the open book lay and sat down in the chair so invitingly placed i had scarcely done this when the voices began again in rather louder and angrier tones she imagines she can learn the secret of life a woman too the brazen arrogance of such an attempt no no it is not the secret of life she wants to discover so much as the secret of perpetual youth that to a woman is everything to be always young and always fair what feminine thing would not adventure for such merchandise a loud laugh followed this observation santoris was well on his way to the goal said a voice that was suave and calm of accent certainly no one would have guessed his real age he had all the ardour and passion of youth said another voice the fire of love ran as warmly in his veins as though he were a romeo none of the coldness and reluctance of age affected him where the fair sex was concerned more laughter followed i sat rigidly in the chair by the crystal table listening to every word the woman here is the latest victim of his hypnotic suggestions isn't she yes one may say his last victim he will victimize no more i suppose if aselzion told her the truth she would go at once of course why should she remain it is only a dream of love that has brought her here when she knows the dream is over there will be nothing left true nothing left the whole world a desert and heaven itself without hope i pressed my hands to my eyes to try and cool their burning ache was it possible that what these voices said could be true they had ceased speaking and there was a blessed silence as a kind of desperate resource i took out the letter rafael santoris had written to me and read its every word with an eager passion of yearning especially the one passage that ran thus we you and i who know that life being all life cannot die 
ought to be wiser in our present space of time than to doubt each other's infinite capability for love and the perfect world of beauty which love creates wiser than to doubt ah i was not wise enough i was full of doubts and imagined evils and why because of voices behind a wall surely a foolish cause for sorrow i tried to extricate my mind from the darkness of despondency into which it had fallen and to distract my attention from my own unhappy thoughts i glanced at the book which lay open before me as i looked its title printed in letters of gold flashed on my eyes like a gleam of the sun the secret of life a sudden keen expectancy stirred in me i folded raphael's letter and slipped it back into its resting place near my heart then i drew my chair close up to the table and bending over the book began to read all was now perfectly still around me the voices had ceased gradually i became aware that what i was reading was intended for my instruction and that the book itself was a gift to me from Aselzion, if i proved a faithful student a thrill of hope and gratitude began to relieve the cold weight upon my heart and i suddenly resolved that i would not listen to any more voices even if they spoke again rafael santoris is not dead i said aloud and resolutely he could not so sever himself from me now he is not treacherous he is true he is not fooling me he is relying upon me to believe in him and i will believe in him my love and faith shall not be shaken by mere rumour i will give him no cause to think me weak or cowardly i will trust him to the end and with these words spoken to the air i went on reading quietly in a stillness made suddenly fragrant with the scent of unseen flowers end of chapter sixteen